You're listening to A Poor Girl's Guide to a Rich Life, the podcast where we are becoming the best versions of ourselves, rich in all areas of our lives, not just our bank accounts. I'm Alicia Ward. I'm your host on this journey to create a life rich with fulfillment, health, and mental wealth. In each episode, we'll share insights, we'll share lessons, and we'll share practical tips to empower you on your own path to a rich and meaningful existence. Please make sure to check the show notes for all links and all sponsors, and please subscribe and leave us a review. Thanks for listening. Hey, welcome to episode 137 of A Poor Girl's Guide to a Rich Life. Here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, it is cold today. I'm talking like minus 30 outside, I think. So getting a lot done today, focusing on content creation. January has been a really strong month so far in a lot of ways. And the whole follow through theme that I chose for myself is really feeling good. Um, Progress equals happiness. And Tony Robbins himself said that. And I personally, I feel that progress does equal happiness. I never feel happier than when I'm actually getting things done that I need to get done, done. And I'm sure that you can relate in those, you know, chapters or periods of stagnancy in our lives. That's when we can become kind of our darkest and add our darkness. And a lot of things can impact us in that way and make that happen. And it can be, you know, your surroundings, it can be grief, it can be losing a job, it can be stress, obviously, changes, just there's like, our worlds are constantly, constantly changing. And we need to be able to, you know, pivot through that and move through that. And really what it comes down to in order to be able to move through change in a strong way is self-awareness at the end of the day. If there's one thing that I've learned through the work that I've done and the books that I've read and the content that I've consumed and the events that I've invested into when it comes to my personal growth and doing things like this podcast or plant medicine or traveling or facing my fears or all the things, it's like at the end of the day, self-awareness is key to your healing and to your growth and to your evolving into a better version of you because that is really the key isn't it we want to be our best selves we want to be happy right like most people are chasing happiness but they're not they're like chasing it in exterior things a lot of people you know they're chasing that happiness or that high on life through materialistic things, through money, through success, through relationships, um, you know, through status, through toxic things like chaos or drama or drugs, alcohol, which is also a drug. And furthermore, and, and what will end up happening to a lot of people is that they end up older, realizing and reflecting back on their life, you know, they hit their 40s or 50s, and they're like, shit, I was focused on all the wrong things. You know what I mean? Because if I think back, like what I was focused on in my 20s versus like to make me feel happy versus what I'm focused on now in my 30s to make me feel happier, like night and day difference. And and I know that that will continue to just 
grow as I hit my 40s and then my 50s and then my 60s, 70s, 80s to the point that if you can imagine yourself literally on your deathbed as morbid as that is, what are the thoughts like and the things that you want to be thinking in that point back about your life and like think of each decade as like a big chapter and what you experienced in all of those decades. What's the kind of story that you want to write for yourself? You know, if your life was to be a story and you're 80 years old and you're handing that story to your kids and your grandkids and your great grandkids, what would you want that story to say? You know, and you luckily, if you're listening to this, you have the power right now to start to write that story in a way that you know that if you were to give it to someone, you would be proud and you would take them through a story of ups and downs, but a story of growth and triumph and overcoming and, you know, doing good things and being a good person. Who is it that you want to be in that story and you get to write that for yourself? But unfortunately, a lot of our stories, a lot of your stories end up not being written or they end up ending too soon or they end up with, you know, not a good, happy ending that focuses on the growth. And I know that most of you listening to this can relate to that in some sense. There's someone in your life who who isn't writing a good story for themselves. They haven't taken control of that story for themselves. And when you care about somebody, you want to see them do what's best for them. You want to see them be happy. You want to see them grow. But if they're writing a story that is low vibration and you find yourself around them and you starting to feel on a lower vibration or you starting to be impacted by being in their energy, you know, that's a real thing. When you have a lot of self-awareness, you start to pay attention more to how you feel in the presence of others, okay? And I've noticed this so much lately. Like, how did you feel after being with certain people over the holidays, and how do you feel at home, in your home? When you leave, do you get excited to come back home to your place? Is it like a calming space? Or when you think about it, do you get anxiety? Why is that? Is it because there's so many things to do? Is it because you don't like where you live? Or is it because the person that you're living with is just, you can't really put your finger on it, but whenever you're around them, you feel anxious. So when you're in the same space as them, you feel anxious. Energy doesn't lie and energy is so fucking powerful and you really have to value your energy like it is like it is your most valuable resource. You need that energy and so there are energy vampires out there. There are people who will suck you dry of your energy that you have and you will find yourself having symptoms of exhaustion, you know, depression, anxiety, toxic, not making good decisions, you know, isolating drama, like starting fights, all that toxic, low vibration shit. If that's coming up in your life, you have to have self-awareness and you have to look at what it is that has a low vibration that is in your life that is causing that, right? What can you change? What are you consuming content-wise, uh, food-wise, are you exercising? Who are you surrounding yourself with? You are a product of the five people that you surround yourself with. So if they are living a life full of 
you know, low vibrational shit and drama and fighting and always having an issue with somebody and that victim mentality and blah, blah, blah. You need to get away from them. And sometimes, unfortunately, this is people like a spouse or a family member or a really close friend that you've had a long, for a long time. And yeah, that can feel really unfortunate. But the thing about growth and evolving and becoming like the better version of yourself is that if there's people in your life who aren't trying to do the same thing for themselves, they will only hold you back. And you have to set them free. Do you need to be mean about it? No, you just have to learn how to set boundaries. And, you know, I can talk from my personal experience with this, with my family members. Um, you know, my mom, for example, right now, I had to set a boundary in December that I just needed some space. There was a bit of an upset at Thanksgiving between her and my sister and I, and some things were said, and I'm just like, words really have power. And I've always felt that way. And I'm just at a point in my life where I won't, like, if I wouldn't let anyone, if I wouldn't let my friends, or if, if someone spoke to me in the way that my mom spoke to me, I and it was anyone but my mom, they wouldn't have space in my life. So why would I allow my mom to have that? Also looking at things like, the way that I feel when I get the text, when I get a text message from my mom, for example, I will feel my cortisol spike. So this is going back to really being aware of how you feel in other people's energy. You don't have to be face to face with them. It can be how you feel if they call you or you get a text message. And I've just, over the years, gotten, yeah, I like, I have a physical response to my body if I see my mom's if I see mom come up on my phone in a text, because she never calls me, ever. I don't think my mom's ever called me to just check in and see how I'm doing. And, you know, I don't say that to, like, talk shit as just a fact. It's just, you know, I have a mother who deals with poor mental health and a poor mindset around life. Her story is one a victimhood and, you know, scarcity and lack and jealousy and, and it's fucking sad because as much as you try to influence positively people in those positions, there's only so much that you can do because you can't help the people who don't want to be helped. And I think one of the hardest realizations for me is seeing the similarities lately in my mom as in my, my brother, who's no longer with us. Um, you know, we lost my big brother in 2021 to a fentanyl overdose. His toxicology reports brought out, brought out just fentanyl and cocaine were in his system, but we found out after the fact that he was battling some addiction issues with opioids, and that's essentially what led to his demise. And the opioid epidemic is fucking awful. It's... It's insane. And if you watch some of the documentaries about it on Netflix, like there's one called Dope Sick, you can watch, you just see how for so many people, it, it starts with just an injury and the doctor prescribes them a painkiller like Percocet. And the next thing you know, they're fucking addicted to it. And I have, I know multiple people in my life who this is happening to and their lives are going to absolute shit because of it or their lives have ended. 
and their stories are over way too soon, like my brother. And what I really notice in my brother and in my mother is that it's like, it's like they choose the dark energy. Not that they choose it. It's like the dark energy has consumed them and it is in control. And that light's like totally out right now. And, and I can't light those lights back up. You know, with my brother, there was a bit of a falling out three years prior to his passing. Um, and it had to do with my mom. My mom had been living in his basement suite at the time. And she called me crying, some upset between the two of them. And I, I'm super protective and I find myself kind of in the middle ground with my family. Um, and so, you know, I do, I get protective and, and I'm kind of like, for some, I've trained myself, I guess, over the years with the personal development and the work that I've done to be like less reactive and not let my emotions take control when it comes to dealing with life and my family too. Sometimes I fail at it, but you know, it's a work in progress always, but my mom called me upset, crying, and because uh, this falling out she had with Adam, my brother, and, you know, I called him, and I was really upset, and I was really protective, and, like, that side of me came out, and I didn't say the nicest things to him, um, and obviously when the dust settled, because, you know, imagine the two of them, two people battling, obviously, mental health and addiction issues, in one house, under one roof, I can't imagine how much dark energy was swirling in there. You know, when their dust settled, my brother never forgave me. He never accepted my apology. He never called me back. He never responded to my texts on the birthdays or the Christmases. If I was at a family gathering, he wasn't. And my biggest fear in the pit of my stomach was that, that his addiction would take him before I ever got to even see him again. And that is what happened. You know, in those three years, there was a lot that went on. But like there was the pandemic, I was living in BC, then and I had a breakup, I moved to Mexico, all these things, you know, happened. And my brother and I didn't speak for the three years before he passed. And the last things that I got to say to him were, like, I would never choose to have my last words for somebody be anything along those lines. And that's something that I've had to like, move through and live with. And you know, and I always question, like, why? Why couldn't he just move past it? Like, three years is a long time to forgive somebody when they've apologized countless times and taken ownership. And what I've come to the conclusion of is that, you know, it's that darkness. It's like that darkness that addiction can allow to kind of come to the surface. And that darkness does. It holds on to resentment. And it hopes that you will addiction can allow to kind of come to the surface and that darkness does it holds on to resentment and it hopes that you will and it hopes that you will be hurt by that and it just and I and I recognize this in my mom the way that my mom holds on to resentment over just focusing on what she could be grateful for is very similar and so my conclusion, and I am no professional, this is from my personal experience, is that, and maybe I'm trying to justify it for myself, but I'm pretty sure about this, that it is the darkness, it is the addiction, it's not really that person. My brother, outside of his addiction, was so loving, he was so protective, he was such a great person underneath that, and that addiction, that darkness, it took over and it changed who he was. 
but I know that he loves me. And since he's passed, I've gotten confirmation that, you know, like we've moved forward. And that is why I got this tattoo, like four for four on my finger, which means protection. And I remember, I saw 1111 on the clock when I said that, but I remember, you know, being younger and one time my boyfriend and I got in a fight and I went and stayed with my big brother and he protected me and he was, he was so protective over me. And I slept on his couch for a while, I remember. <laughs> and, you know, he was really there for me. And, and when he passed, I started to see 444 a lot. And I just knew. And, and since then, I've, I've had a lot of signs that, you know, he's, he's forgiven me now, in a sense. And so it's really hard to witness those things in my mom now. After such a tra tragic thing, like losing our brother, you know, it really woke me up. And it sucks to see it hasn't woke her up. And for me, to kind of shift things here into what I said I was going to talk to you, like my lifestyle through my 20s and leading up to a year ago, I, I, I got a party side. I call her Party Alley. You know, I have had a lot of fun. I've traveled all over the world and I have partied probably more than like I partied enough. You know, I like to party. My ex and I, we had a blast. And when I say party, yeah, I mean drinking, but I also mean drugs. I mean, when I look back and reflect on my time in BC and Kelowna and the people that I was hanging out with, doing drugs, doing cocaine or MDMA or whatever, GHB, like that was not weird. <laughs> it was more weird not to do it. It seemed like, like it just everybody, it just seems like everybody does it. And I, and I know this is kind of a thing. And for me to be, I'm going to be just totally honest on this podcast. This is something I've been kind of like weird to talk about, but I just want to own it. Like for me too, like it was just normal. I, and there was points in my life where I thought about partying and not doing cocaine. And I was like, nah, I'll probably do, I'll probably do it for the rest of my life when I drink. And I'm saying that to you now because it's been over a year now since I've touched any hard drugs, like meaning that touched my mushroom microdoses and weed and alcohol, but I haven't done anything else. And, um, and I'm so fucking grateful. And now to think back to the version of me who is like, man, I could never not do Coke when I drink. Like I need it. It goes hand in hand. It's like fucking peas and carrots. That's not a version of me anymore. So I, I just want you to know that like it really can change. And it's weird how our minds will work like that. We think that we can't live without something or without someone. And then we get away from it and we realize how fucking stupid that was and how almost controlled we were. And it doesn't need to be like that. Um, and yeah, I knew, I knew deep down for so long that I had to change my lifestyle. I knew that it was not leading, getting me anywhere closer to where I wanted to be with my health and my life and my goals and my business to continue investing my time and energy into low vibration things like partying, drinking, drugs, and fake ass friendships with people who didn't want truly what is best for me. And the summer that I, so when my brother passed away, it was definitely a fucking punch in the face, a reality, like, whoa, okay, I've always heard about fentanyl killing people, but I never thought it would happen to, like, me or anybody close to me or anybody that I love, and then you realize how real it is, 
Um, so of course that affected me, but it didn't stop me right away. Um, it did slow me down from, you know, partying like that. I didn't do any drugs. Like maybe once or twice the entire time I was in Mexico for those seven months, like once or twice I did. But other than that, just drank sometimes. So Mexico was really healthy for me that way. But when I got bad and probably my worst was when I moved back to Kelowna after Mexico and I just got right back into the thick of it. Straight back into chaotic relationships, toxic people, um, that lifestyle, the partying, the drinking. Um, man, it was quite the summer and it ended up kind of being like the shittiest summer of my life. And it really was the pusher to me following through with what I said about moving to Calgary and just like quitting doing shit like that. That was really low vibrational. And, um, and it's good timing that I'm talking about this now in this episode, like I'm Jennifer, go back to like that low vibrational. So I had done a ton of healing and self-reflection and grieving in Mexico and I was feeling really good. And I moved back to the environment that I was not thriving in in the first place when I left and I got sucked right back into that fucking vortex. I'll tell you that summer was like the lowest summer. <sighs> Man, that summer, you know, I, I moved back to Kelowna and had to basically start over. All my stuff was in storage. I didn't have somewhere to live. I didn't have a vehicle. I had to get all that back in order. Um, I was dating toxic people for the wrong reasons. I was partying again and drinking and kind of just went back to my same old habits. I was living in spaces with people or persons that energy was throwing me off completely like an anxious energy. And one thing about me is like, I need my space and my home. I need it. I need it to be calm, peaceful because I'm I, because I grew up in such a chaotic household that was full of like sadness and, you know, anxiety and intense energy. Now I find myself really susceptible to that from other people. And I am way like I take it in way too much. So I need my space like calm. And that's a big reason why I live by myself, because it's hard to sync up energies with somebody else. Everybody's got their own journey. Everybody's got shit going on. And so that can be difficult. Um... And then I was feeling in a rut, I remember. And so I called my best friend and she's like, well, come to Edson, my hometown, and let's go do some fun shit in the mountains and fill your cup. Because I was just low. I was feeling like not great about life in general, everything. Everything sucked, okay? Um, so I went out to Edson, I filled my fucking cup and I had a great time. And then on my way back, I stopped and went downhill mountain biking and I broke both of my arms. I'm still trying to figure out, I still haven't had the reason, the aha moment where I'm like, oh, it all makes sense now. I know um, that hasn't happened yet, but that just sent me into a deeper, darker spiral. To be honest, I broke both of my arms. I broke um, my left wrist and my right elbow. If you're watching the video, you can see the scars. It's a big one. hard to see it but um 
And I obviously was single. I didn't have a spouse. I broke both my arms. Luckily, my sister was in Kelowna um, at her in-laws and they took me in for a week to really help me out. And I basically slept that whole week healing. And then I had to go home. And I mean, at this point, I couldn't do anything. I could barely pull my pants up and down. It was fucking hell. Not to mention the pain I was in. And, you know, I had these painkillers, but knowing my brother's story, I was afraid to fucking take them. So I suffered a lot. I remember one of the worst things was that I couldn't fucking journal. <laughs> I had all this downtime to just lay in bed and I couldn't even journal. There's actually an entry in my journal one day when I tried to journal and I was like, you know, whatever day. And I was like, this hurts. And I stopped. It was, it was fucking brutal. And like learning how to do everything again, that was really... Yeah, I was really super depressed through all of that. My vibe, my light was dim, dim. Um, and I didn't have Castle for very long, for about 10 days. So I think within two weeks, I was like out, about, on a boat. You know, I was, I was partying a bit with my arms, really still healing, like a real irresponsible person. But I was... I was reaching for the things that would numb the way that I was feeling instead of just sitting with it and moving through it and choosing choices that would change it. But I felt stuck. I, like It's not like I could move to Calgary with two fucking broken arms. I couldn't. <laughs> so that was really hard to come through and out of as well. And during that, after breaking my arms, I did hit my lowest of the low point. Um, I went to a festival with some friends and... Um, yeah, I took too much GHB and I G-hold, as they say, which essentially would be an overdose, but it's a G-hold, okay? Um, and I did that. And when that happened, I fucking realized how stupid I was being gambling with my life after losing a brother. And that me trying to come across one way on social media and to other people like I was okay when inside I was truly like dying inside and grieving and trying to cover that up Whew, with uh, with substances and partying and, and being this version that people saw on the outside. It just wasn't cutting it anymore. So after that, I started realizing I really had to make some changes. They didn't happen immediately even still. But then I think there was a bit of an intervention and I ended up moving to Vancouver for three months for this job, which was good because obviously breaking my arms, I didn't have any insurance. I didn't have any income coming in. It was, it was tough on the old savings account. And so I got this opportunity to go to Vancouver and take this job. And I almost said no, um, but I ended up going and, you know, I didn't miss Kelowna. And, and when I moved back to Kelowna in April, after the shutdown finished the job I was doing, I just... I just had this fucking knowing in my gut that it was time that if I spent one more year there, because that was my initial plan, if I spent one more summer there and there was any type of repeat patterns of the summer previous, I was just really only choosing low vibrational shit. And it was like I was not letting myself succeed at all. And that's not what I want to or want for myself. So I made... The tough decision at that point, because I was in a relationship that was pretty healthy. It was really healthy, honestly. It was probably my healthiest relationship ever to to move, but I just knew I had to go. Um, so I did. I found a place, and I made the scary decision, and I left, and I'm in Calgary. So I had a really 
low-key summer. And I'm telling you, it gets harder before it gets easier. I was alone, you know, I was all summer reminded by like how I, you know, was in Calgary and spending a lot of time alone and not partying. And I could have been on a boat pretty much every day, obviously with my style of work, I can, I could be boating every single day in Kelowna. And I was living in a beautiful condo downtown overlooking the lake and I had like the guy and the, the friends who would invite me to go boating and partying and I had all that. And Calgary was a whole different ballgame. Okay, but I knew even through my anxiety and my FOMO, fear of missing out, it's a real fucking thing and it's a real issue of mine. Um, I knew, I knew I had to move through that. I knew I couldn't give in and keep doing that because that lifestyle was not leading me anywhere. And for a long time, I have known that I am meant for more. I, I know that I am meant to be showing up and making an impact just through sharing my story is one huge thing. Um, and so I fucking went through it. And now a year later, not having touched, not having partied, let's say when I say party, I mean like I'm going hard, I'm staying up late, I'm doing drugs. And uh, yeah, that hasn't happened. And I, I'm grateful because I think that I'm a completely different version of myself, but it still took a long time. It's not like changes. And this is one thing, like changes don't happen overnight. When you've been living a certain way for literally like a decade of your life and you decide to make a change, you better be ready for it to take a year, two years, three years even to get those changes. It's like if you live an entire life if you have an abusive relationship for six years and you get out of it, you're not just going to jump into a new relationship right away and it's going to be fucking sunshine and rainbows. You're going to have to deal with what those six years of trauma or whatever, you know, PTSD symptoms you have because of it. You're going to have to move through those and process those. Same thing with the lifestyle that you live. Everybody wants to change. Everybody wants to be the best version of themselves at, at their core. But if it was easy, everybody would do it. If it was easy, everybody would be the healthiest versions of themselves. No one would put shit into their body that could potentially kill them. No one would gamble their life for a fucking night on a boat tie up until four in the morning. Like, no. And I just, I can't even fathom the idea of doing that now. But back then that was normal. And I'm not judging the people who do do that. I'm glad I got my chapters of that, but I'm glad it's out of my system. And I'm glad I'm moving forward because the version of me now is I'm willing to risk my life to end up like my brother. The biggest lesson that I've learned from this move to Calgary in this last year, and I'm truly spending a lot of time alone and with my feelings and then just with my family and then surrounding myself with people who do raise my vibration, which is opposite of what I was doing in Kelowna. I was surrounding myself with people who were not raising my vibration, with people who did not value what I brought to the table or who, with people, for example, who thought, me choosing myself was selfish or people, you know, it's like the crab in the bucket theory. When you put a bunch of crabs in the bucket and one gets out, the rest will pull them back in. People get triggered when you start to want to be a better person. And when you start moving towards your goals and they'll want you to stay where you're at and your truest friends, the people that you should be surrounding yourself with the most, they should encourage you to choose to be the better version of yourself. So for me, when I was in Kelowna, 
I would talk to my best friend on the phone. I'd be like, this is how I'm feeling, blah, blah, blah. And she'd be like, okay, this is what you should do. Don't go on that next boat type. Don't go where you're going to go see your ex and his new girlfriend. Don't go do these things that are making you feel shit, like shit. And I would talk to her and I would listen to her. But then you know what I would do? I would go do the things that made me feel like shit because I was like addicted to that, you know, that chaos and... That was where I was comfortable. I was comfortable feeling like that. And as long as I drank and partied, I fit in and it was fine. And then I just felt like extra shit the next day. And getting out of that toxic cycle for myself was one of, it was a really challenging thing to do. And I, I did have to remove myself from that environment because you are a product of your environment, no matter which way you slice it. And that's why it sucks, because if you're feeling that, you have to take a look around you. Maybe you have to move. Maybe you need to end a relationship. Maybe you need to cut some friends out. Maybe you need to accept that you're going to be fucking lonely for a bit so you can get to know yourself and heal the parts of you that need the healing so that you can start to really attract what it is and what you deserve in your life. Your time and your energy of what you bring to the table is so valued. And when you dim your light or you let other people dim your light, you're just holding yourself back from what you're like truly here to do, which is evolve and have purpose and make an impact in some way, even if it's in just your family's lives. But you don't get to do that in a way that you enjoy unless you are connected to yourself, unless you are self-aware, unless you are willing to make sacrifices to become the best version of you, because you know that's how you need to show up in order to build a life that you genuinely, genuinely love. If you're living a life right now that you have to convince yourself to love or you need to drink every day to love, then there's something inside that you need to process. There's energy inside of you that you need to move. There's emotion that you're suppressing that's stagnant and causing unhappiness. Emotion is energy in motion. If it's not in motion, it's stagnant. It's going to cause problems. It can even cause disease and sickness. You need to move it. So I hope that this episode inspires you to make the adjustments and the changes that you need to choose the higher vibration things so you can like tap in, like get turned on, brighten that light of yours. Get connected to yourself. Surround yourself with the people who want you to succeed, who want you to choose what's best for you. Listen to them. And if you find yourself resisting those types of things, those good people, those healthy relationships, those good life changes, then what's forcing you to resist? Is that darkness creeping up and making you choose wrong? You know, choose the drama, choose the substances, choose to be lazy, choose to not go after your dreams, choose to consume fucking toxic shit because it's everywhere and it's easy and it's comfortable and it's accessible. You're meant for more. If you're here listening to this podcast, it means that you know that you are meant for more. You want more out of your life than just the fucking average. You don't want the mediocre. You're meant for more, truly. So I hope that this episode in some way inspires you to do something today and then tomorrow and then the next day and every day moving forward to help you move towards that, whatever it may be. Just start following through. Follow through on the things that you can't stop thinking about. 
you know, follow through on the things that you said that you were going to do last year at New Year's. Just fucking follow through. And once you start making progress, taking action steps forward, it becomes easy. And what becomes hard is making the wrong choices, the low vibrational choices. You don't want that shit anyways. You know what I mean? Get yourself to a point where you get into such a habit of choosing the high vibration things that you are like vibrating high on life that you don't need the other shit to give you those like dopamine hits, those serotonin hits. You know what I mean? Just choose differently and take it from me and stick around and listen to every, every, you know, every podcast episode, every week's podcast episode. Find other podcasts that inspire you to be better. Find a book that inspires you to grow. Like biographies I find are great books to realize that everybody kind of goes through the shit before they get out of it. You know what I mean? So it's okay if you're in the shit a little bit because life is short, but life is also long. And, and we luckily get to choose differently today. And if you're here listening to this, how grateful are you? How lucky are you? How, how blessed are you that you're still here and able to choose again and make tomorrow the first day of an entirely new direction for you and your life and your relationships and your goals? Okay, with that, I'm going to leave you. I'll talk to you next week on A Poor Girl's Guide to a Rich Life. Love you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening and being a subscriber to A Poor Girl's Guide to a Rich Life. Your support means so much to me. Don't forget to check the show notes for any and all links. You never know what you're going to find there. It can be different every single time. And again, don't forget to drop us a review. It helps the podcast so much. I do do this for free. So that means the world to me. We'll catch you next week in another episode.